0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com.
1: Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast brought to you by Tethered, the world's best saddle hunting equipment. And we have a fun show for you all today. What's up everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Ant Laura podcast. We're on episode 205. This one is all about dedication, sacrifice, and no guarantees with Cody Jenkins. So, Cody is obviously a diehard whitetail hunter from the state of Illinois, and he is the host of the Whitetail Legacy podcast. But the other side of Cody is he is also extremely relatable to a lot of us in that he is a husband, father, hard worker, and a coach to a youth football team. After listening to Cody on his podcast over the past year and following him on social media, I found myself relating to a lot of what Cody had to say and really love how he has a friends group chat all about accountability. And I wanted to have Cody on to talk about what he went through this past year as far as hunting goes a little bit, but then also how he really is developing into the person that he is and how you know how could I better myself into that and I hope you all could get something out of it as well and I really enjoyed this podcast so we talk a little bit about that about again his ups and downs roller coaster type season and really what it, the takeaways and the lessons learned and the mental game and the physical game just all that type of stuff and then again we dive into just really how he handles the dad life, how he handles the work life, the balance, and all those things. And I think it's really important to kick things off as we get into 2024. Listening to Cody, I hope you enjoy this episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. A real thing, the one thing regarding this one, <laughs> right towards the end, we wrap things up and Cody didn't get a chance to kind of go over where you could find him at and along those things, because his power just went completely out and they lost power for a couple hours out there in Illinois. When we were talking, I think they had an ice storm or something along those lines. So uh, make sure you go check out Cody Jenkins at the whitetail legacy podcast. Again, thanks Cody for coming on. Thank you to you for listening and downloading this episode. If you like what you hear, go leave that five star review over on iTunes or Spotify. Write a written review. I'm in the process of of getting some gifts from people that have already written uh those uh five star reviews on iTunes so I really appreciate that. Going to get some turkey calls out to you and some other things. So really appreciate that. So thank you. Just got to get those in hand here soon. But also, Happy New Year to you. I just want to say thanks for everybody for all of your support from the listeners to the people that helped support this podcast. Just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Really means a lot to me. Happy New Year. Hopefully, you had a great Christmas, holiday, whatever you celebrate during this time frame. But most importantly, hopefully, you spent it with some friends, family, and you were able to get some relaxation going for a little bit. Happy New Year to you. Get after it. Don't quit. We'll see you next week, everybody. Antler up. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting, designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter. Tether produces the most mobile, stealthy and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at America's Best Bowstrings.com. And a special code is made for our listeners of the antler up podcast for America's best bowstrings use code antler up and you will save $10 off your order. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You have deer prediction, journaling, and the best maps on any hunting app platform there is. Use code antlerup to save 20% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode. I'm joined by someone that did the podcast earlier, actually last spring. Uh, man, I, I had a blast talking to Cody last time. So Cody Jenkins, host of the Whitetail Legacy podcast. Cody, man, it is a great pleasure to have you back. And we were just BSing for about five minutes, eight minutes already. And I'm already thrilled with with, with those eight minutes. I could just release those and I'd be happy with this episode. So I'm, I'm excited to see where we we go down, man. So welcome back.
0: Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, man. You reached out and I was like, "Hell yeah, let's do it." Uh, it's always great to go on another podcast and you go on to yours and you're talking about yourself and you're like, "Uh, you know, yeah, there's some points where you're like, "All right, it be yeah, I need someone to help me flow this conversation." On. So, <laughs> uh, I'm like, uh, I'm excited to see what we get into.
1: Yeah, man. Well, I mean, like I told you before, I I I just want to I listen to a couple of your I like when you do uh, those quick little hitters, solo ones like that you were running earlier in the year and everything like that. I liked hearing your perspective on, you know, I, the way like your decisions uh, of why you're doing things. And I know you're not validating something like why you're doing that, right? You're just kind of putting your, your feelings out there. That's what a podcast really? is kind of for. It's almost like this open diary, I guess you could kind of say uh, to an extent. And I, you know, as you're as you're saying some of those things, I'm like, yep, yep. Like it makes total sense. And I agree with that. And I feel the same way and those type of emotions. So it's kind of cool that like, you know, we're not alone in, in this situation and and that's where we'll, we'll talk about a bunch of uh, self uh, improvement and just things along, along those lines. Cause I think it's really important. And, I love the passion that you have for that number one. And number two, uh, man, I just really like your, your perspective on things, but you know, just to, for my own, uh, I guess, uh, selfish enjoyment, man, like just how was your, your hunting season this past year for you?
0: Um, so as a lot of people know that listen to my podcast last year was the first year that I didn't hunt with somebody. Um, and everybody knows homie, he was, my co-host for almost five years you know and man we had we were just kicking it dude we were having awesome times and uh last year was kind of like okay i'm out by myself it was kind of fresh uh this year man i felt it dude um to me i have i have a good buddy that i can communicate back with garrett from last breath um we talk quite a bit about hunting but he's not close enough to hunt directly with or like you know we talk almost every day during the season, but we're not hunting in the same tree. Um, And I did that 16 day stretch there and I did multiple all day sets and your brain just gets to going. And I, this season was a lot of reflection of just how good my last seasons have been and how much I missed the camaraderie that I had of hunting Um, and the absolute drive to, be successful podcasting, be successful, uh, be a successful hunter. Um, and not that I don't love hunting, but the drive to exceed for other people was gone and it was more for me. So my hunting became whatever I wanted to do, um, out there, which was what probably 90% of guys do. Um, but when you're in a situation like us, like i've mentioned on other podcasts you there's an urge to kill because you run a hunting brand and people are listening to what you say right um this year i took that off the table um, and i passed some really good deer that i probably would have shot in the past um just because i wasn't feeling it or i it just didn't feel right um, i did shoot a shoulder a buck in the shoulder um and that deer i shot him in the shoulder and he ran off and blew at me I was like, that deer is so alive. It's—I've never had one blow at me. <laughs> right after I shot it, but uh, I did the whole track job and everything, and uh, I took it as, uh, you know, a a chance to say, hey, I messed up, and th- you know, you can either let it ruin your season or you can move on and uh, take it as a learning experience, and not not make a joke out of it. Like you're still wounded an animal, but make it to where there's there's thousands of other guys that have done the same thing that I've done probably this season, yep. you know, and if five of them listen to the show and they're like, okay, maybe it's not as big of a deal. It's not going to ruin my whole season. If I get on there and just I'm down and I'm out and I'm talking about how it's a disaster and it's all my fault. And I just feel like I would have demotivated other hunters that might've made a poor shot. Cause it happens to all of us, you he know, does. you shoot too far back, you shoot them in the shoulder, you shoot low, Hi, I mean, there's just, there's so many, um, ways to fail out there. And I was talking to buddy on the last podcast and for, for a normal guy, I think it, two or three opportunities to be successful for the season is what a guy gets. Um, and it's just, if you can capitalize in those moments of opportunity, um, and I, you know, I had an opportunity and I didn't capitalize. So, um, the last year I hit a limb on a giant. Um, And, but before that, dude, I was lights out, dude. Kill, 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 kill. I mean, and all the shots were just money, you know, and um, never like, oh, I don't know, better not track. It was always like, oh yeah, dead, 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 you know, and uh, um, humbling. Um, And then this year I had uh, um, a lot of stuff happening on ground that made it not what it was last year. I learned that the hard way. Historic data isn't always true. Right. Um, I was really banking on that this year, and uh, a lot of my bucks didn't come back. A lot of them were killed early that I didn't know were killed, were actually poached. Um, oh. So, yeah, and uh, the uh, we got some nuisance permits um, by the state of Illinois to go out and kill some does early season, so I killed some does. But I didn't know that the two other guys that have permission out there, he got those permits too. So we killed six does early, and then I killed three does last year. Another guy killed five. Neighbors killed nine. So you start adding them up, you're like, where'd all the deer go? You know, and that's what this farmer he wanted me to come on here to to kill yeah, to kill do. does. Mm-hmm. And then man, I was just thinking, you know, you killed fifteen, twenty mm-hmm. does, and you know, on this farm within a you know, a season and a half, you know, before it even started. Um, so now you're, that's why you're not seeing does. It's not rocket science. Um, um, then some, a family got permission to hunt with another one of my farms, a family of five. Um, and that really, it's not a very big farm. Right. Uh, so that really put a damper on that. They, they were going in there, hanging trail, trail cams, tree stands, um, had some shooter bucks that I was doing one of them daylighted the day before season. And I was like, I'm going to go in there tomorrow, talk to some people. Um, opening day, we've killed opening day before in the evening. People say it's really hard, but we've done it. Um, and I'm like, the wind's not perfect, but th- uh, this is my shot, dude. He's, he, he daylighted right here on the edge of this field last night. And 98% of the people I talked to said, don't just wait, dude, it's going to get better. Wait for a front, you know? And I waited and then all those people came in. Um, it just goes to show you yeah. sometimes when, when, like they said, when the iron's hot, you gotta, you gotta, go. You gotta, you gotta go, you know. You gotta strike, and uh, I kind of held off, took advice from other people, um, had a real solid game plan. Would it have worked? I don't know. Um, but you live and learn, and decide that next time you just gotta you gotta go for it. And uh, if you bump the deer, no, well, but the, that property had five shooters on it, and when that family came in, there's I haven't had a picture of a deer, a deer since October 26th. Cool. <laughs> Oh dear dude. I had, so I, I, now let me preface that with, I had five mobiles out there. I pulled those. I have two SD card cameras and there's no just coons and squirrels on those SD card cameras since October 26. And I pulled them last weekend. Yeah. Last Thursday during gun season, just to see, I went out there, um, didn't see any deer. Um, but I went out there just to kind of see, you know, am I missing something like this or something really, but it's kind of an island. Um, you know, it's all beans that have been, um, anhydrous put on them. Um, so there's not a lot of ag there, but you would think that there'd be something around there and I'm sure there is something, but not the population that there was. And it's just the amount of pressure that was put on there, um, that first gun season and, uh, they were driving it, you know, second day and just pushing the deer out. Um, so then, then they're in the rut hunting. So I pulled everything off that property and I'm going to go back to my roots of public. And, uh, I, I'm on some big gear right now. I'm positive. Um, I did pick up permission on one piece of private, um, that I might throw cam on, but it's a good rut spot for next year. Cool. Um, so still, still in the game for that, but that's kind of what this season's been. It's kind of been of a uh, early season, extremely high hopes on more bigger deer, more big deer than I've ever been in velvet you know, they're shedding, they're still there. I'm like, all right, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting and uh, not hunting areas. Um, and the one farm I was so certain that I, that the bucks were going to be there. I wasn't even running cans. Right. I was like, I was like, well, you know, those are here. I'm going to, they'll be here. Just got to wait, wait them out and hunt these pinches and the rut off the backside. And, uh, then I hunted it and wouldn't see anything, and I threw cams up and I wasn't even seeing does. And that's when I went and talked to the farmer and he's like, Yeah, well, we had a bunch of summer nuisance permits and this and that. And I'm like, Okay. It's all starting to come together, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, uh, makes but sense. yeah, it was just uh it was me almost taking a lax of basil um summer because I was so pumped up for what i had last year on these places got it that i didn't prepare myself for what was happening this year because i was like you know nobody in in october nobody's got permission to hunt this stuff except the guys from last year no one's got any new stands hung all the bucks from last year are still here this year Mm -hmm. like and then boom gone dude like it's crazy crazy what pressure will do to a property um but the one I had never hunted before, um, I had lost that property in October last year and then got it back this year. So I only had intel to like the 15th of October from last year and all the same bucks were there, but they could have left last year too. And I just didn't know. No. But, uh, <laughs> like I said, I, I, I counted my eggs in the basket real quick, um, yeah. from, from what I was going to do. And what, where I was going to have, I was calling my shots of where I was going to have success on what days, what bucks I was going to be after. um, And it just didn't click, you know, just didn't, didn't come together. I probably hunted a lot of spots that I shouldn't have. I hunted a lot of sets looking for a random buck from somewhere else. Okay. Okay. Like I know there's nothing on this property that I want to shoot. But I, the surrounding properties are good enough that one could show up. Um, and uh, I wasted a lot of sets doing that when I should have just went back to public or, you know, did anything. But I've got 12 sets this year where I have not seen a deer. I think that's my, one of my worst. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, yeah. Worst seasons ever were um, a lot of it was during that hot stretch during the rut. Yep. Um, and a lot of it's been recently, man, <laughs> the, After that first gun season, I'm going to record a podcast here soon talking about, you know, where these bucks are at. Cause I know that a lot of guys out there struggling trying to find, find them deer right now.
1: My dad's one of them, man. I, like I've, I said on a, a previous podcast with Aaron, my buddy, Aaron Hepler in the years past, Cody, the, the, the private piece that I've hunted back in Northeastern Pennsylvania, it's, It's ridge system, you know, big, big woods, basically. And during that October, in the teen of October until second week, second and a half week of November, man, I mean, bucks are just all over the place on our side of the mountain. And it's, you know, you got to be in that right spot, right time. It has to be the right deer, obviously, all that type of stuff. But during gun season, it's when the other members come up and, but they're all old man. And there's not a lot. And my dad and I are usually one other gentleman is comes on our side that we hunt on that North facing side, and no one pushes these deer around. And the last two, two, three years, not this year counting, but the years prior I would go up and thinking like, okay, now, now I got the equalizer in my hand. Like those, that buck Mm -hmm. that skirted me from 80 yards or whatever he's done for this year right now and we i personally would not have a chance like there were i'm on does a couple but no bucks and my dad right now he's he he missed an opportunity on a buck during archer season he hit a buck no no recovery i know for a fact that deer live we we kind of got it back on camera after he checked it and everything but it's it's crazy man how during gun season these deer just you know we'll get pictures of them at night or other situations and we just kind of we laugh. We're just like, where the hell are they all day? Because a dude, he's a guy that takes off these every day. Uh, like he ha- this is his vacation time from work and day to day, dark to dark. This is what that that my dad's doing, and and he's very typical. He from dark to dark, he's not moving right. So no one's pushing these deer. Not a lot of people are up there. Uh, do you see anything couple dough? Okay. You know, then the next day you might have to go into work or something along those lines when he finally his weeks up. And uh, right now I texted him just before we came on. I just said, you going out this week? He goes, I was out all day yesterday. Uh, I, I had a couple dough. That's about it. And he goes, I'm going to head out. I think he said Thursday he'll be able to go maybe tomorrow evening, but he's just, man, he's struggling right now. And I'm just like, dang, I, I wish, I wish he had had have another opportunity because uh, there's a couple still good ones that we'll, we'll get. He's just not in the right spot.
0: Yeah, the one thing that I will say um, just to kind of maybe give you some hope is what what we got coming up is what I really enjoy this time. It, it just gets so cold and miserable out there yeah. to hunt. Um, but a lot of less people are hunting. Um, and then if you say you get a picture of a buck and it is midnight, That deer's close to where you're at, even if it is midnight. These deer are not going that far. Um, Right now, I'm running mobile cams, and I might as well not even have a cam in the woods because there's nothing on them. And uh, it'd take four or five really, really cold days in a row, and there's snow on the ground, and it'd be nasty, and then boom. Boom. It's just boom. They're back on the food plots. It just, right now, they're they're just not, the bucks just aren't moving. They ain't got to move. They don't want to move. You know, they're, they're wore out. They're run down from the rut and they're just chilling and straight up trying to survive. They know that the cold weather's coming. So they're, they're just trying to eat, but they're, they're probably covered, excuse me, a couple hundred yards a day, you know? And if you don't, if you don't have them on cam, you're thinking he's dead or, you know, he's not, he's gone, you know, whatever you move him 300 yards and then he's on there you're like oh then you're close you're like i'm on you're you're close to that deer you know and you're just going to take the white right weather right right situation um but the access dude what that's the number one thing that people forget this time of year is you don't have all the leaves Mm -hmm. if you if you're walking in on a field uh, around here 90 percent of it is the timber is ridges those bucks are bedded on the ridges. They can see in see, the field. Like yeah. you can walk to a field at glass and you can see, you know, hundreds of yards of ridges and you know, the buck can see all that. Right. Um, so your access has to be, you have to completely change the game on that. And that's why I feel like 90% of people struggle late season where they find a buck He's on cam, but they never see him because that deer is pegging you way walking before. across that field or walking that ridge way before you're even seeing him. Cause he there's, you got to think there's, it's so quiet out there. There's no leaves falling at all. You're walking in on frozen ground. Most of the time when there is leaves, it's loud as hell and they can see forever because there's no underbrush. Yeah. Um, so they have literally every single advantage except the weather. That's the only advantage they don't have that you have. Um, and I've had deer when it gets cold, they're up in the food plot an hour and a half before dark. Like people were thinking, oh, last 10 minutes, they'd be out. No, these deer running to that food plot, you know, hour left of dark and and out there feeding. So, yeah,
1: that's good stuff. Now, here's, I do want to go back to one thing just because I know, like how you were saying there might be five people that are listening and had the same situation that you had this year or even more that are listening or or what have it, or it happened in the past. Right. And they, those individuals have to deal with it. I've had to deal with, with those situations too in the past it's bow hunting. It's extremely tough. Uh, I, you know, I love it, but you said earlier where, years pass, boom, you watch them drop, boom, you know, they're dead. And, and you have those situations and then you have that year, like where it doesn't happen. And it happens again, like you said, so far this year, you know, how do you stay, stay so positive, um, and not let let that take you down. What is your mindset to not let that beat you down so that if tomorrow you're taking out your bow and, and a nice big buck that you're drawn back on you're not letting that creep in, in your mind and saying, like, go ahead, Cody, go ahead, don't miss, or don't suck on this one. H- how do you just go in there with that positive mindset and just be like, I'm, I'm taking care of what I need to take care of?
0: So last year I hit that limb on uh, November 1st on a mid-150s buck, bent back G2, job time. cool-ass deer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, pretty devastated. On the way into that hunt, we can't bait in Illinois so I'm wearing a hat that looks like a corn cob, like doing a video like Camp no Illinois. I'm struggling. It's warm. You know, I'm, I'm breaking out all everything I got tonight. I'm breaking the corn hat out. That's going to bring them right in. You know, um, just, just having a good joke. And I got in the truck after I missed that buck and looked at that corn hat. I'm like, man, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I ended up killing December 30th uh, last year. Um, so the main thing that you have to just put in your mind is that it ain't over. It is not over. Um, There's still so many days, so many opportunities. um, And the buck that I hit in the shoulder this year, cool, cool buck. The story, the story ain't over. Yeah. He's still around. He's still alive. You know how glorifying that will be next year. If if I'm able to catch up to that deer, that's what you got to think, you know, that God has a plan. You got a story, whatever comes along you got to try to make your story the absolute best it can be, but there's going to be speed bumps in your in your storyline that are going to come along and it's either going to turn you one way or the other. And you got to decide what you're going to do. So my, my main thing is I get a lot of messages like, Oh, sorry, dude, you're having a rough year. And I'm like, dude, it's part of, it's part of it. It's part of the game. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's uh it is not over. And then next, it, say it's, January 15th last day of season it ain't over right I got until I cannot climb in a tree and can't pull a bow back or whatever it ain't over like it yeah, it's it's still an ongoing fight um, and just for for the the misses and stuff um, it's something that I've said for years and it comes back to just like you had this year if you're a new hunter the more kills that you have the more time you're in that moment Um. A thing I do still to this day is I call it a fake kill. I got a doe out there. She's not watching me. I'll go full draw on her, anchor my pin. I'll do everything except pull the trigger. And, yeah, my heart will get jacked up because your brain knows that you're not shooting that deer, but you're going through all the sequences. And there's been some times where I've done all that, and you're like, you know you know, what, I'm going to shoot that doe.
1: Take the guesswork out of building your own arrows for this upcoming season by ordering a custom set of arrows from Exodus Outdoor Gear. They have developed and sourced literally the most precise archery components on Earth to build a tailored arrow for your hunting adventures. Just head over to Exodus's website and plug in your specifications in the arrow builder and have your custom set sent straight to your door. You have two arrows to choose from one being the MMT arrow, which is a two-four-six diameter shaft, and the new NIS, which is a two-zero-four diameter shaft arrow. Use code AU to save 15% off your tailored arrow order at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Yeah. everything's <laughs> lined
0: <laughs> you know, up perfect. You're like, yeah, I'll go ahead and take yeah, this, though. On. You know? Um, but I call it a fake kill, and it's just with with everything in life, whether it's fitness, your job, or whatever, the more times you're in a situation, the easier it becomes – And when you mess up, like when I shot that deer this year, when I released the arrow, I knew that I had shot left. I mean, right the second that I released the arrow, I, and what I did is I took my bow hand and I went like this. Mm -hmm. And when I went, I pulled it left just, just a little bit. And I knew, and the GoPro's on and I said some choice words of like, you know, right off the rip and you could hear it on there. And then whack, you can hear it hit hard, you know, and, I'm like, yep. And uh, called my buddy after, you know, he I watched him for a, quite a while. And, and he, I'm like, he's like, did you kill? I'm like, I hit one, but he's still alive, you know? Yeah. And then, and uh, just basically sharing the mess up with him. And he did the same thing last year, you just killer hunter. He did the same thing last year, quartering away and just didn't get it back far enough, trying to tuck it tight and hit the shoulder. Um, and, you know, and he was like, yeah, you know, just trying to relate to someone that's been there before um and uh that's what i would say is it isn't over and just like me and you i've been hunting for i don't know how many how long i got 10 really good bucks on the wall you know from 190s to 125s um i got a couple bunch of european mounts that i've rifle killed like it just takes the constant in the situation um And then when you mess up, you're like, okay, that was a fluke. Cause I've been there before and I've done it 90 times, you know, and I've messed up five, like, you know, okay, I'm still good. And you can't get in your mind. You can't get in your head about it because Mm -hmm. if you do that, it's only going to make it worse. When, when a deer's coming in, I'm not, I'm not like, all right, all right. You know, don't mess up. No, I'm going, all right, this is your moment. This is it. Take your time. I'm not down talking myself. I'm trying to up talk myself to yeah. let my mind and body know the importance of this situation. Like this is one of the three moments that you're going to have this season to potentially kill. You gotta, you gotta be ready, right. you know? And, and the more that I hunt and the pickier I get, sometimes I'm like, ah, I'm gonna shoot him. I'm not going to shoot him. And I hate that. Like I want a buck to come up and I just want to be, yeah, shoot him. Yep. You know the Right away <laughs> I'm getting ready. Not like, you know, like this year I'm like, I don't know i'm like man really cool buck and I'm watching him I'm like he's getting closer I'm like yeah I'm like okay if he gets to 50 and then he got to 50 I'm like ah, okay yeah. <laughs> you know like it's just, <laughs> it's like you're trying to weigh the odds but last year it was glassing oh, that's him and he's coming in you know and I just dead center hit a limb um and that was an air on me you know yeah parked my truck um good distance away but kind of on a high spot where I normally don't park but it was like I said, I was wearing a corn hat in, it was 70 degrees, ladybugs were out flying around, I was like, eh, no, I'm not going to see anything, I'm going to hunt though, you know, in this pinch, and buck comes out and got a scrape in the bottom, I got a scrape by me, and I'm like, okay, he's going to go to the bottom scrape, he's going to come to this scrape, it's going to be perfect, um, downwind, I'm like, all right, if you go to downwind with scrapes, I got him there. I didn't think he was going to go 50 yards downwind of the skates out right. to the center of a hayfield, you right, know? Like, right, right. Like, <laughs> like he goes right out into the center five-year-old deer, go right out to the center of a hayfield, but it's 70 degrees out. You're like, huh? Like right. leaves, leaves the cover, direct line to me, hits this draw. I'm waiting for him to come up the draw, and I look over. He's out in the hayfield. You know, I'm like, what? So could have waited a few steps. He's looking towards my truck. I can't. Tell if he can see my truck or not see my truck. I don't even know if it's going to bother him, but if I'd have waited three steps, I had a perfect sight, but I'm like, ah, I'll take him right there, you know? And yeah. just a couple little branches. I told my wife, I said, I didn't do it, but I said, if I do not feel that buck tag, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to cut that branch down. I'm going to wrap that tag around it. I'm going to hang it on the wall. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> but uh, I ended up killing a buck later in the year and I never went back, but I'm like, I should have, <laughs> I should have cut her down and <laughs> wrapped her up. Cause uh, you know, that was my target for the year and uh, just kind of, kind of blew it. Um, but another thing that guys, when you get to a certain level and you're targeting deer, they need to understand how hard that is to do. Um, so yeah, you messed up the shot, or you batting you know, messed up the encounter. But you had an encounter with that one deer, and all these other guys are oh, that is a success, Correct. dude. And people need to Correct. stop downplaying that yep. Yep. as not a success because if you're hunting properties like me, you're hunting public or whatever you're doing. If you're targeting a buck or a couple bucks, and you can get it done on those deer, you're that is or not you can get encounters with them. That is success, dude, because yep. it's it's way it's way underplayed how hard that is because like me and you, we have voices and Mm -hmm. social media is the only other voice. Um, so you're probably only getting a good spectrum of about three to 5% of all the hunters that are out there trying to hunt. Yep. And you see, you know, during the rut, you see five to 10 good bucks posted that day. How many people were out hunting? But like in your mind, you're like, Oh buddy, my, this buddy shot a buck, this buddy shot buck. But, it's Not just you. A, such, yeah, <laughs> yeah, such a low percentage of guys that are actually targeting the buck, killing the buck, um, and the guys that are doing it consistently. You see that they continue to do it consistently, and um, most of the time, they are skillful, but they sacrifice a yeah, bunch right. to be able to yeah. do that. You yeah. know, and that's something that else is downplayed. Like people don't understand, you can either get lucky or you can sacrifice. That's what that's that's right. honey. Like right. there's no, buddy, my joke you know, we, we're, you know, doing the hunting thing, the podcast. And I'm like, if I would have took the effort that I've put into hunting the last 15 years, and I put that into a landscaping business, a freaking, you know, a fitness, <laughs> any a fitness industry, like anything except bow hunting my, my success level would be so high. Cause the amount of dedication, sacrifice, time, effort, money, that I'm putting into this. If I was putting it into something else, yeah, man, you know, no telling what. (laughs) That's such a good point. Yeah. You can, you can, there's no guarantee in this. You know, if, if you work hard at your job, you probably get a promotion. If you work hard at your marriage, you're going to have a good marriage. If you work out, you work hard in your body, you're going to, you're going to be in better shape. If you play football a bunch, you get better with football. If you bow hunt, he might not get shit. And that's right. just how that it is. is. There's, yep. there's no work to reward ratio. Um, the work has to be there, but the sacrifice is what's key. Um, you got to sacrifice a lot of, you look at 90% of the people that kill big deer that don't have manicured farms. They don't play travel softball. They don't race cars. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. They bow hunt. That's right. what they do. They hunt. And that's the sacrifices. They don't do anything else except, yeah, hunt you know yeah you gotta sacrifice something man and yeah. the more the more you get the older you get the more you get involved in your work or your relationship with your family your wife your kids you just have to take more sacrifices from yourself to give to the the passion of hunting you know or, yeah. um, and a lot of times it's sacrifices of money time not doing other things watching football. You know, doing this, going to football games. I used to go to a lot of football games. Don't do that anymore. Yep. Used to fish quite a bit. Don't do that anymore. That's not taking my boys, um, just because it's you, you gotta you gotta pick one of the lesser evils when you're trying exactly. to 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 hunt as much as we do, and yeah. it's just you gotta sacrifice, man.
1: I, I know. Well, here's here's what I want to ask you, Cody. Man, like what what, what inspires you, man?
0: Oh. My kids are number one. Um, my oldest boy is an absolute um, savage kid. Um, he's incredibly good at everything he does, just naturally good, fast as hell, smart. Um, I see myself in him, but I, I didn't have a dad that kind of did anything with me, no time. Um, I didn't know him until I was nine, so... By then, it was more of a, he already had a family, I'm kind of kicking in um, kind of deal. Mm -hmm. And um, the inspiration to not let that little shit beat me is a lot of my driving force. Um, He always tells me he's going to shoot a bigger buck than Mr. Freeze because a guy in my town, Told my kids that I had the biggest buck in the county, and th- that they walk around tell everybody that now. Like I, like I said that, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, they, he'll be like, my dad's got a bigger buck than your dad. your dad. I'm like, dude, come <laughs> on, bro, go. He'll be doing that, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just uh, he he wants to beat me at everything, um, and I'm not, I won't let him. Yeah. Um, so that, um, my wife is another huge one. My wife is a gift to me that I do not deserve. And I know how lucky I am to have it. So you gotta, you gotta do, you gotta take care of yourself to make sure that stays around because mm-hmm. no matter what you say in a relationship, if, if it, if it fades with kids, dude, it's hard. It's, there's a lot going on and you have to take time. And, um, I do stupid things where like we have a question day where I just message your, a random question. She messaged me a random question. I arrest him. and it's just we're just trying to learn more. We've been married for now almost nine years. We're just trying to learn more about each other still. Yeah. Um and uh you know trying to be when when I die, I don't want people to be like, Man, he was you know, he was a badass or he was so cool. I just want to be like, Yeah, it's a good dude. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. I just want everybody to think. And know that I'm out there doing the right thing because I, I am trying ninety percent of the time to do the right thing. Um, and when I'm gone, I want to leave a legacy of someone says my name, they're like, oh, solid guy, solid dude. You know, nothing special, yeah. but just absolutely solid. You know. Yeah. And people strive for a lot of different things. They wanna they don't wanna be ordinary, they don't wanna be normal. I just wanna be normal, solid guy. And that's what motivates me and inspires me to to do every single day is Kids number one, um, wife uh, number two. But Lily, that's the only family I have. It's my kids, and my wife. I don't have any family on my side um, that has any remotely thing to do to me to inspire me to be any better. Right. Um, but having kids was the game changer moment for me to be like, all right, this is this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, in my mission, my mission life. And now it's not only my kids; it's the community kids and coaching and i um, doing anything. I'm involved in all those uh, little shits lives. You know, I want to be, I want to, yeah. I want to see him continue to grow and uh, become men. And if I can have any influence in that at all, um, it's huge for me. You know, yeah.
1: I, I give you a lot of credit for that, man. And and the one thing that I'm thinking about, and it's, it's a word that's been coming up more so recently in my classroom, I teach health and phys ed and I, in my, health classroom man, I try to be as real as real gets just because sometimes we we live behind those smoke and mirrors a little bit and and, and I, I don't say things to to freak them out. You know what I mean? I'm trying to say things like as a, like I always tell them like, okay, that I'm putting on my dad and my, and my, uh, my dad hat on right now more so. And, and, you know, obviously it's the the teacher inside of me too, but you know, and and the one, the word that, that I was speaking of is, is experiences, right? Like we were just talking about hunting and all those things like getting better and you got to go through those experiences, but it's those experiences in life too, that you got to deal with. And it sounds like to me, you know, with very, you know my my family is in my life now, but there was some really grudge like I was a very angry young young kid growing up uh, uh just the way where how I grew up with with my relationships with my family and I wouldn't change those experiences for anything because it made me me. Right. It made me of who I am and where I want to try to be a better husband, a a better, uh, a better father, number one, and and a better husband and everything like that. And I try to tell these kids, like, you're going to you suck at life right now. It's because you haven't gone through a lot of a lot of experiences. And because of what you were unfortunately dealt with these last couple of years, your experiences have even dropped you back a couple pegs. And now it's important for someone like you, Cody, where if you're in these kids lives, not only your own kids, but being a coach and, and, you know, someone in the community where you could give these experiences to people, man, it, I, I personally think it's more important than, than ever right now. And uh, I, I give you, like I said, a lot of credit for that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's uh, something that I've let absorb more time and more time and more time. And I'm, I'm thinking like right now, I'm thinking of football plays and stuff I can do with the kids and football is not for so long, you know. Yeah. We're doing an off-season agility training. My boys do it. I'm opening it up for free. To I'm going to try to stay under 20 kids. I don't know how it's going to work. Um, but um, I got permission in the gymnasium. I got permission to use, like, the high school 40-yard laser, the jump lasers, and, like, just to, to show the kids that eight weeks of work, you come one day a week and you do the stuff at home, we're going to measure 40 the first day. We're gonna measure a 40 the last day of eight weeks. You get a third grader that understands that, okay, I gained this much speed or I gained this much jump in eight weeks. When my boy seen that the first year, he was like, it was a light bulb moment yeah. to where um they can they can see that I can do this myself if they don't have the dad at home or they don't have the mom or the uncle or anybody there that's saying, You can do this, like go for it, they can see their self that, okay, yeah, I did this, I I got the the stuff I needed to do and then I did it on my own and this is my result. Um so I'm excited to do that with more kids than just myself. Um but coaching youth sports has everybody's like oh I appreciate you for doing it, blah blah. I'm like, no, I'm thank you for letting me do it. Yeah. Um because I get emotional on that that stuff dude i get i get teared up dude yeah. it's just the kids are so good and they all at at that age they all want to do so good for you like they just want to they yeah. want to please you like they're you're you're more than a coach you're that you're the dude you know like right, right. um and they just want to you know and i i jazz them up when they do something i jazz if, if they get it's flag, you know. If they get close to a flag, I'm jazzing them up. If they get a flag, I'm jazzing them up. If they score, I jazzing them up. If they block, I'm like, I'm super high energy up and down the field. Um, <laughs> and ninety five percent of the parents want their kids on my team because of that fact that I'm just, I'm, no I'm what, there. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. in the game. You know, right. we're down, we're up, whatever. I'm, um, we're, we're, we're having. I'm having more fun than all the kids. Like it's, it's obvious. (laughs) Right. Right? (laughs) You know? And it's just, uh, it's because I'm, I am, when I was a kid, I'm the dude that I wanted there to be. I, I'm, I'm that dude, you know, and that's what I'm going to continue to be, whether it's trying to teach people how to be a better hunter. I had no one, no one in my life that hunted that I could associate with. I met my grandpa, my step grandpa, when I was 16, before that, No one, my dad didn't hunt, you know, he'd take me on a squirrel hunt every now and then. But my first hunting experience ever was a guy up the road from our house owned a bait shop and he had beagle dogs and he needed someone to help split wood. And I went and split wood with him all day. He was like, Hey, we're going to go rabbit hunt. Would you like to go? And I went and I was like, Oh my God, like I'm in on this, you know, and I didn't have a gun, nothing. Um, and he owned a bait shop. He got me a bag of beef jerky and a Mountain Dew. And we went rabbit hunting and just walking around, banging through brush, and coolest thing ever. You know, I'm like, right. I'm in on this. And then, you know, that guy deer hunts, and he's shooting deer. And I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find someone at school that, you know, that bow hunts. And I have met this buddy named James Woody, and he bow hunted. And I was like, dude, you got to clue me in. And he sold me a dart and bow that was 70-pound draw heavy, you know, <laughs> could barely get it back. And I shot my first year with that bow at 16 um, with a bow, my first year with a bow at 16 by myself in a climber and this bottom basket rack eight pointer, dude. And I was like, this is, this is it. But now I wish I had a guy like me that was putting content out or like you that was putting content out. Same thing with sports. I always wanted to be really good at sports and I always was naturally fast, naturally Talented, but I didn't have that little bit extra of my dad shooting with me on the court at home or right. passing me the ball or hitting the ball. Um, it was always like, hey, we need you working in the summertime, you know, on the farm instead of, you know, playing baseball or whatever and kind of making me pick and choose what I want to do. He did instill a very hard worth ethic in me, which is great. Um, and number one thing I remember my dad saying now well, you know, when I was a kid now that actually has an impact on my life is he used to just always say patience. He, he wouldn't, I'd be talking to him and just say patience out loud, patience, patience. And now I catch myself saying that to myself, you know, yeah. you know, nine times out of 10 during the day, I'm like, all right, be patient, be patient with this kid. He, his emotional spectrum. It's not, you can talk to him, but he doesn't, he's not understanding, right? You know, why his gingerbread house is cracked and his brother's, it's <laughs> perfect. You know, it just doesn't function right now. And he's trying to, he's trying to understand. So, how can you be patient with him and, and work this out where he's cool um, and you're not just yelling at the kid? And uh, that's been a struggle, but uh, we're getting better.
1: Are you looking to improve your hunts? Well, look no further than using trophy tracks. A hunter's journal enables hunters to maintain a record of hunting information in real time or post hunt, including the date, time, location, and weather conditions. By using trophy tracks and integrating trail cam pictures, hunters can identify patterns in animal activity over time, helping them predict the best hunting opportunities. Utilizing Trophy Tracks, hunters can keep an unlimited number of journal entries ranging from scouting trips to live hunt records, preserving each of their hunting experiences. And check it out over at trophytracks.com. How I do you how, no one's- So how do you work through that, man? Because I think uh I I mean, I'm con, like I'm the worst when it comes to patience. My grandfather was like full full-blood uh Irish and I mean, he was the one where If church started at nine o'clock, he was outside at 815 blowing the horn at my grandmother, who's (laughs) just still in the chair drinking coffee. And they lived 175 yards away from the church. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I learned that impatience from him. And uh, I, I truly believe I've gotten better um, with it, with my daughter, a hundred percent, I, 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 am still ways miles off than where I would like to be. Cause I, like you said, man, I catch myself where I could come down here at night. Maybe I'm working on something for five, 10 minutes before I go up to bed. Maybe, you know, I'm putting her to bed and we get, I finished reading her book and I'm hanging out with her for a little bit and I kiss her on the forehead. But in in that last little bit that I'm sitting there, I'm thinking to myself, like, I, I hope, I hope I did. I'm, I hope I made her happy today. Right. Like I hope yeah. I didn't do something that just threw her off or man, like why didn't I have more patience? So how, how do I, like you said, and, and you're like, you said, you're not perfect with it. You're, you're, you're still mm-hmm. growing. What are maybe some things uh, you know, us gentlemen could could take from that just because again, we work on it all the time and we say we want to do better. Right. But there's yeah. those moments, man, like in the heat of those moments, sometimes they get the best of us.
0: Yeah, I uh, I struggle with it. Like I said, nine out of ten days, um, and the more the more able you are to understand that you're struggling with something, the more you catch yourself when you're almost there. When you're like, okay, I'm I'm almost to the point where like my kids, my boys are not listening. My boys are wild, but I I bred it into them. Mm-hmm. Um, we have rules in my house, and I can. We got five rules. And I can go to my forego and say, what's rule number three? And he can tell, they can tell me, you know, and what's rule number five. And they're, they're life kind of rules. They're simple. Um, but I've, I've bred that wildness. We wrestle, we scream, we play catch in the house. We we'll put stuff up on top of the ceiling fan, try to knock it off the balls. Like we're doing stuff that we should not be doing inside. And then now when I'm trying to chill out, they're trying to do that stuff that I've taught them, you know, and (laughs) I just kind of, kind of got to chill and uh, understand that half that's my fault. Um, But the, the number one thing, and I've told my wife this, I don't know how many times there's something about lifting weights, physical exertion, not running, not swimming, not riding a bike, the moment that I'm sitting on a bench or whatever, and I have the dumbbells on my legs and they're heavy as shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking about, sometimes I'm thinking about nothing. Sometimes I'm thinking about whatever. That is a reflection moment that if I go to the gym and I do that, the day I come home, I'm, I'm a different person. I'm a hundred percent different 100%. guy with my kids. And I don't know what it is about it. It's, uh, it's hard in those moments. And I know that, you know, oh, doing hard stuff makes you harder. I don't think, I don't know if that's it. I don't know if it's the endorphins that are released um, or if I just personally feel better about myself because I did the extra stuff that I know I want to do and need to do. Right. Um, I come home and I'm way different. The days that I just go to work and I kind of eat poor and I know that I didn't do the right stuff, my patience is less. So that's that's the first thing right off the bat. Um, second thing is... I, I told my boys this last night because I took them and did it, but there's some nights where I do lose, I do lose it. And, you know, I yell, scream, threaten. My my thing is with my boys, I, I'm like, I'm going to rip your legs off, dude. Yeah. You know, that way it's just a joke. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. one day they're going to go to school and be like, yeah, my dad tells me he's going to rip my legs off or I'm going to break your legs, you know. Yeah. And uh, um, I'll go for like a, a mile run at night and I'll just, just, run as hard as i possibly can and everybody's asleep i got a headlamp out there it's cold um and you don't have to run you could literally go to your garage and blare music or you could go get in your car and drive down the road you just got to do something as a guy mm-hmm. to get that stress of work no matter what you got a banker job or whatever you got you got to you got to find some kind of moment where you can just let that shit go exactly um and i found like the weight room helps me. Sometimes i go for a run. Sometimes i go out to my garage and just jam freaking rush, you know, on yep. <laughs> working man on repeat. No, it doesn't, it, there's, you just have to have something. Um, and you mess up that night. And first off, like I said, you got to realize that you messed up. That's number one. And the more you do that and understand that you're messing up, the the quicker you are to kind of nip it in the butt. And then you got to have those, those days where you got to, you got to let go. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you can get frustrated, get frustrated, and oh, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going to yell. I'm going to stay calm. And about the fifth day of that, you're about like, yeah. I'm doing good, but I'm I'm on the edge of losing shit. And sometimes I look at my life, my wife downstairs, and I'm like, this is the life we we created, and it is madness. <laughs> you know, like it, <laughs> the kids are yelling, the living room's destroyed, kitchens, uh, you know, the table, the kitchens all messed up from ki- the supper still. Half of them had showers, half of them haven't, you know, it's close to bed. And sometimes you just kind of relish in the freaking madness of like, this is it, dude. This is, this is my life. And, yep. um, I've let, I let my house get messier and messier over the years. Nothing like crazy, but you kind of, when you got four kids, you kind of got a let of flow. And you kind of got to understand that, like, if I clean up the night before mm-hmm. and I, and I go to bed and I go to work and my kids are up 45 minutes before they got to go to school. Wreck! when I get home after work, it is a disaster. Yep. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I can be mad. I can scream. I can yell, or I can use it as a moment and say, Hey boys, you guys wrecked this thing this morning before I left. You're going to help me clean it up. I'm going to help you, but everybody else is going to help as well. Right. Um, and then they're like, okay. And I'm like, as long as you guys help, I'm cool. You can wreck this place in the morning. But when we get, when I pick you up from, from daycare and we get home, first thing we're going to do before the cousins come over, before you get on the TV, we're going to clean this shit up. Exactly. And um, it kind of lets them understand the process of what's going on. And it doesn't let you walk into the house and go, oh, I just cleaned this shit up you know, right, right. <laughs> last night, you right, know, right? Um, because that's the stress with kids is, is money. Um, just, just clutter. You got so many other bodies in your house. You got all this extra stuff. They're not listening. Um, and other than that, and you know, the stress that kids put on your relationship with your wife, there's always, that's never talked about. And it's always there. It always is. Cause she's doing extra stuff. You're doing extra stuff. You're doing less stuff for each other because you got three other people that need help. Um, and, you know, my wife at night, like, you would look, you'd be like, well, what'd you do? You know, she's packing all their lunches, going through their backpack, making sure they don't have any homework. Hey, you need to read this book. You need to read this pamphlet that comes home. She's signing this, that he did this. And they we're going over spelling words, you know, and mm-hmm. you look at them and you, she didn't really pick up anything or she didn't do, but she did so much, right. you know, and then she's getting them up in the morning, getting them to school and like. You have to pick a job and understand, okay, that's kind of what I do. and be cool with it. Um, and that will help with the, the, the stress and temporal level as yeah. well. Um, a little bit of, uh, going with the flow goes a long way with kids Yeah, and just kind of just, nah, man, it, it isn't what it used to be. It ain't perfect, but it, the shit's rolling. We're all happy. So let's not stress about it. Yeah. Um, and, and move on. So that would be my, my sense on how to uh, not, not get all worked up is understand what you're getting worked up. Try to do some kind of physical activity. If you can, if you want to do that, if not find some way to relieve that stress and then don't let the shit get to you as much as it, it should just yeah. kind of yeah. take it easy. You know, that,
1: That's what we always kind of say. We'll, we'll say to my daughter, like when she's fired up about something, you know, like kind of like you, like go ahead and yell it out, you know, go, go exert some energy or whatever. You know, and then there's other times where if she's, I don't know, going with some worry or something, I'm like, is the house on fire? No. Okay. Like, yeah. are, are you hurt? No. Is mom, dad hurt? No. Okay. Well, then we're, we're all good. Like, yeah, we're cool. We're, you know, we're, we're cool. Like, we, you, know, yeah. you know, and even like you said, too, I love the fact that, you know, hey, listen, we're going to clean this up and we're going to do it together. I'm not making you do it. You're not making yeah. me do it. It We're. this is a team effort that is huge. And I always, I liked what you said though, about, uh, about having happening with the misses because at times when you know, tensions are flaring, I don't know what it's like for you, but for me, it ends up being this like big old, like, uh, like pissing mass, you know, of like, well, yeah, well I've done that. Well, yeah, well I did this. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm not saying, you know, and then the joke the last couple of weeks here have been, <laughs> it's just so funny. Cause we're like, why, why, why are you so sensitive? Right. And yeah. Uh, and my wife has an excuse why she is. I mean, she's, she's ready to pop right now as far as uh, her pregnancy goes. Um, but it's just so funny because we're like, okay, why, why are you so sensitive? I'm like, well, I'm not, you know, you, you are, you're taking it the little bit the <laughs> yeah. wrong way. And it's just so funny. And, and once you laugh at it, you make a joke at it and you just calm down a little bit. And uh, man, that is the one thing. And I brought that into my work life too. Like I, my first couple of years as a teacher, I would get real fired up. Right. If someone wasn't doing yeah. what I liked and like, whatever that would be hard, dude. Yeah. yeah. N- now I'm now I just roll with the flow. Like, Hey, sure. Let's, let's roll with that. How can we, how, like whatever. Right. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't really have a clear cut example of, of that. I just, uh, I like to be that team player now, instead of, uh, me being like, it's my way or the highway type of ordeal. I'm all for it. Like, hey, if I need to do this, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it the best I can. If the kids are safe, the kids are having fun, they're learning, we'll we'll roll with that. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I I 100% uh, agree. And the number one thing that I've seen, I've coached the last four years, um, baseball, football, soccer. Um, I'm gonna x soccer out just because I don't love the game. Yeah. Um. So I don't feel like I give as much there as I do the other two um, I love football the most baseball um, I am probably gonna assistant coach continue to do that just because I feel like even if some guy maybe doesn't impact the kids as much but he loves the game more yeah. that's the guy you want leading because yeah. you got to instill that love of the game at this age you know yep. Um and then the number one thing that we were just talking about before this and no no matter what age you're coaching if it's 10 and under 12 and under you got to show those kids that they can do it. Mm-hmm. Like they're good. They're not going to think that they can do it. They're not going to think that they can catch the ball. They're not going to think that they can hit it in the grass. Then you have to show them physically show them that they can do that and tell them, dude, you can do this. I know you can do this. I've seen you do it. Then your your belief in them at that age. Uh, they, they're they like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, you that. know, yeah. my, my football team, Incredibly talented kids. Um, let's get that out there first. But I've coached them for three years now. We haven't lost ever. Never lost a game. Never had a close game. Um, uh, our our huddle break is try hard, can't lose. They those kids literally think they cannot lose. They awesome. they don't un- they don't understand the even the spectrum of they get scored on and they're down. There no no kids like oh they're like oh okay they know what we need to do. Yeah, And I'm like, move the ball. That's all we got to do is move the ball. I don't care if it's three three downs to first down or one or one play to touchdown. I don't really care. Um, but uh, just let those kids know that they can do it, and yeah. those kids will do it. Like, it, they can do way more than you think they can. Like 100%. I said, my five-year-old ran 1.25 miles last night. We were running at about a nine-and-a-half-minute pace, which isn't fast, but for him – Pretty freaking freaking good. (laughs) You know, like I'm running kind of slow, kinda, you know, and it's cold, it's thirty degrees out, breathing in that cold air. Um, hoodies and sweatpants, we're out there with a headlamp running. Um, and I just let him set his limitations, you know, and I'm like, all right, you good? Um, and he's like, Yeah, I think I'm done. And I'm like, all right, give him a high five. I'm proud of you, dude. He made it like a mile. And then I'm running down the road, get about fifty feet, and he's like, Dad. I'm like, yeah. He's like, Can I go one more block? I'm like, come on, dude, let's go, you know? And uh, just me going, are you sure you're done? That little bit of hesitation in your mind to let them think, am I done? Like, that's what they need at that age. Yeah. And they have to have the love of the game. Like, they got to, you got to, when it gets to that older age, it's work. Like, when you get to that middle school, high school, a lot of games suck. It's hard. Practices are hard. They have to physically love what they're doing and want to get better. Right. Um, and if you instill that love of the game in straight-up, people might not like that I said this, but winning helps. If mm-hmm. you can get those kids winning when they're young, that helps a ton. Um, just because it gives them so much more confidence to, okay, I understand what I need to do. Now I can start picking out more, and they start understanding the game more because they're not so worried about winning and losing. They're starting, right. well, we're going to win. So what can I do to make it a little better win? Or what can I do to this? Um, and then at that age, every single thing that you do, not every single thing, but 90% of the things you do in practice practice needs to be competition based yeah. need to mark one kid that has the same skill level as another kid or close and they compete against each other. Whether it's a chase drill, a pursuit of tackle, um, whether it's you know base running, whatever it is, whatever sport, those two are competing for most of that practice. And then you have two two of the kids that are you know a little not not that level. Match them up. They're close, close to the same speed, close to the same age. Let them compete. Um, and don't just jazz up the kid that wins. Jazz them up both. You know if right, they're doing right. a, if they're doing a chase drill and he's that close to the tackle. When he gets back there, you're like, dude, you you didn't have him that last time, but this time, dude, you were that close, man. One more step, and that excitement and that um, just that effort that you're putting in to say, when he gets back in that line, he's gonna be like, oh yeah, dude, yeah, I I, I need to need that much more effort. I'm gonna have that sucker, you know, exactly. Um, <laughs> so that's what I do at that age. Um, it's it's high competitiveness, um, full belief um, that. They they're gonna know exactly what to do, and uh, and just telling them you know if you try I always say if you try hard I don't care what what it is on the scoreboard same thing in life if you try your best dude yeah. did your best and did I'm trying best. to I hope I hope like when they're in junior high or high school or something one of those kids comes back to me and said try hard can't lose that will make my whole entire coaching career worth it, worth it just mm-hmm. to instill that you went out there, you tried your absolute hardest. You got your ass whooped dude. You that's a win. Yep. Just like both season. Like I was saying earlier, it ain't over, dude. Yep. You can train in the off season. You can do that. You can get better. Like there's no, it's over, you know, like right. it ain't over until it's your last senior game. and You maybe not get to play anymore, but um you're still going to have the love of the game and you can take that love of the game. Like me, who is always an average athlete and bring that passion to coaching or bring that passion to weightlifting, helping kids, you know, whatever you can do, um, it's not over, you know, it's just a different, like I said, it's just a different bump, different storyline that you got to navigate and uh, understand where, where you're going to go from here. And also helps to, kind of go with the flow on those speed bumps because this shit's going to happen. Happened. You know, yeah. every dream you have ain't going to come true. And, uh, my boy right now wants to be in the NFL, wants to be a QB. I'm like, dude, I'm not saying you can't, but <laughs> you're going to have, I always tell him, I said, you're going to have to be a way above average dude. And he understands that mm-hmm. at eight years old. And he wants to go to every QB camp that's around in this football camp and this football camp. Um, and he's incredibly good right now, but he's still incredibly young. I said, wait till these kids hit puberty and everybody starts catching up. And you know, you might be good now, but you might not be good later. And I said, the only way that you can determine you're good is you have to work when they're not working. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I probably over emphasized that to him. Um, but he understands, but before we came up here, he was like, "All right, dad, let's work on some passes. So we're, we're in the living room throwing into the kitchen. Walking over the shoulder because that's what he wants to practice now. Where he'll, he'll start walking and he, he can't look at the ball until I say ball and then it'll turn and he'll catch it on the walk over his shoulder. Yeah. Um, and uh, my wife's probably like, You're throwing 10 yard passes in the house. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's got kind of a little bit of, but I'm like, I'm going all in, you yeah. know, like yeah. whatever. Uh. So,
1: I love it. I love to hear that. So let me, let me ask you this because those are all great points that lead into, uh, they could carry over into like, we were just saying like adults to, to younger, uh, uh, young men, athletes, uh, young female athletes, whatever, have it. And we were just talking before we came on air, how, you know, you have that kind of that group where you, you guys keep each other accountable, that accountable group. And, I kind of, we I kind of have something similar not necessarily of an accountable group where we say like how's your day that type of stuff but we we stay close and I'm actually and I have it in a variety of different ways kid buddies that I went to college with good friends with and uh, some other a different group of friends and then I have my hunting buddies and uh, I think it's important that like how you were just saying that uh, that you know it's good to have those relationships with other guys just because Man, like you don't know what other people walks of life, like what you're going through. And, and again, like I was saying about when I teach my health class, I I let them know like, man, there, there are going to be times where the walls feel seriously like they're caving in and you just can't catch a break. Like you're like, okay, I just had like four really shitty things happen to me. This next one, it's got to be for me. And guess what? It's not right. Like, you know, and, and it just, that happens and I try to let them know, like, when that happens, I know in that heat of the moment, you're not going to be thinking what, you know, Mr. D told you that, like, it will be okay. But man, like, just know you can persevere and going back to little kids, younger kids, to us as adult adults, we are, we're, we're resilient and especially young kids right like and I'm, I'm lumping young uh teenagers high school kids in, into that category extremely resilient and i uh, us as as adults uh, like how you said like social media and i said to them to this like social media has really i don't know if i would have been able to survive it, it, with social media mm-hmm. when like going going through what i went through as as a young man and man, I, I just, I give the kids credit to that. Right. And, and there at times where I just want to bash those cell phones because I'm like, dude, like we're like, pay attention to even the frigging person next to you, at least right. Type of ordeal. Yep. But man, it, it's tough. And I, I think it's as someone, you do need to surround yourself with the right people. And it, if, I think it's also important that you do have a group where you can open up and be vulnerable and it's okay that, that it is, you know, that you are vulnerable.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I seen a quote the other day that said, when you want your kid to stop being a kid, let him get social media. Yeah. A hundred percent. I was like, damn, that, that hit, that hit hard. Cause I was like, yeah, I could, I could see it just because the sometimes I'll get on there and I, four, four minutes in, I'm feeling negative. I'm like, shit. I've, i I mean, know these people out here, yeah. you know, And I'm <laughs> I'm like, damn, I probably need to get my shit together. And then you catch yourself like, okay, whoa, like, I don't even know who this is really like just some guy I follow. Um, but for, as, as the, as the group thing you're talking about, I think that for a guy, I don't care if you're the toughest guy, get two other tough asses that you could talk to each other about how tough ass you guys are together. Like you got, you, men are supposed to have like council, small groups, something, um, you know maybe maybe it's your dad your brothers if you don't have that you gotta have somewhere when something really good happens you can tell a dude yeah. or something really bad happens you can tell a dude and ask him for advice um you gotta have that yeah you can you can be a lone wolf and do your own thing which i think with social media that's kind of make it be more cool and cool to be a tough guy and do your own thing and i don't need anybody Um. I'm gonna climb this mountain by myself, yeah. <laughs> but shit, about halfway up that thing, you're like, man, I wish I could call somebody. You know, I got a flat tire. Like, I, you gotta have, you gotta have that, um, um, that juice. That's, you know, that's yeah. the way I gotta explain. It. You gotta have that other dude that you're cool, close with, and you have to want him to succeed as much as you want to succeed no doubt and that's when you find a guy like that that actually cares for they're calling you and they're asking about something you talked to him three weeks ago and saying dude how's this going like and you're like holy shit this guy is listening and and understanding what i got going and you want to everybody wants to talk about what they got going on um everybody every no matter who you are you want to you need physical connection and sometimes just be straight up honest with There's probably 90%, 95% dudes talking. The wife ain't it. Yeah. You talk to the wife. That's great. But a lot of times she don't understand that. She don't understand the work drama or you missing a buck or you're trying to work on your fitness or you're trying to work on your stress and your patience. She'll listen She's got her own stuff she's trying to work on herself. Um, and she's talking to girls about that kind of stuff. Like, and I'm, you know, me and my husband are doing this, or I'm struggling with the kids with this, or money this, money that. There's that she's working on herself as well, whether she talks to you about it or not. Um, and sometimes you can talk to a guy and be like, dude, this has really been bothering me. He's like, dude, yeah, I'm going through the same thing, or I went through that last year, and uh. Uh, you're not going to get that with your wife. I mean, no matter how close you are, it just it ain't. We're we're cycled. Our heads are complete opposites, and that's why opposites attract. And we we got our thing going on, but uh, it doesn't it doesn't work. You need you need that those dudes in your life um, that maybe you had a fight with your wife. Who are you gonna talk to? Are you gonna go out to the garage and just drink and wallow, or are you gonna call someone? And someone's probably going to have a way more level head than you about the situation and ask kind of what went on. And you don't want to be around the guy that's like, yeah, screw her, blah, blah, blah. You know, (laughs) you want to be around the guy like, all right, well, what happened? And then he's going to be like, oh, okay, well, that didn't go as planned. You know, like he's talking it out with you. That's what you want, you know, and uh, you don't want him to jazz you up all the time. You need someone to call you out on your shit. Like when you're being, when you are being soft, you're like, Hey dude, you're kinda of being a little soft and then you're like, okay, this guy's he shot me straight for years, like yeah, he's being sometimes I'll I'll call a buddy of mine and be like, hey, what do you think about this? Just to get their opinion before I share mine to kind of see where their mindset is. If we are normally aligned and my shit's off, I got some kind of emotional stuff going on that's weighing me the wrong direction. I like Cause that. I'm normally about like with this guy, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's always and you're not gonna be able to go to your wife and and try to get how she would react to something. It's going to be way different. They're yeah. all hold a grudge like no longer. Dude. Like, they, they are the masterminds of that. You know, yep. Something happened five years ago where they draw something on her coloring book or something. And she'd be like, I don't like, that shit, bro. Yep. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. I wouldn't even remember that, but they do. They yeah. do. Yeah, so. I know.
1: Well, let me, let's wrap this one up, Cody, with you, with me yeah. asking you this, man, like what, with uh, the new year, obviously a lot of people always have new year resolutions, all that stuff. When you reflect back on, like you said, this past hunting season, whether it's hunting related or not, what's something that you you want to work on, uh, on for yourself to, this upcoming year?
0: Um, consistency with myself um, is the number one thing that I need to work on. Um, there's something about doing small things over time that you just naturally do um and whether it's uh, i read a lot more than probably the normal guy i mean you're a teacher so you might read quite a bit as well yeah. um but i'll go really consistent in reading and then i'll kind of fade off Same here. and then i'll be like real consistent and running and i'll run like 10 miles a week for four or five weeks and then i'll kind of slip 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 but then i'll lift and man i'll be just shit, it's just click in the middle game is there. And then I'll have a couple hard days of work and excuse this, excuse that. And then I'll miss three, four days. And it's just, tough. it's like, you have to reset and relearn everything. Um, so next year I just want to be, I want to lessen the amount that I expect myself to do, but be more consistent with what I'm going to do. Got so, it. um, I was doing five, six days a week lifts. um, for longer periods of time now my goal for next year is 10 miles a week four lifts a week i don't and i used to be like i need to go monday tuesday wednesday i don't i don't care if it's monday thursday saturday sunday i don't care how i get them in i don't care if it's i was like i need to wake up in the morning go to the gym before work i don't care if it's noon 6 p.m. as long as i get one of those lifts in i'm good as long as i get up a couple miles in at midnight Five eight. It doesn't matter. Less stringent on the perfectness of it. More consistent on actually doing the shit. Um, and that's my goal for next year. And the the personal fitness side, the hunting side is. Uh, I gotta get I gotta get that dog back in me next year, man. <laughs> I gotta <laughs> get that 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 uh that uh, like that, that public land running, gunning, kind of in the trenches, swinging um, kind of dog back where I want it. Cause I know how to, I know where to get it. It's yeah. just, you gotta, you gotta sacrifice and want it. Um, so I'm either going to get new property or go back to public and, and keep swinging. Um, so that is the, the absolute, uh, hunting goal is just get that, that dog, that fire, that desire to just kill, uh-huh. you know, Yep. Um, and uh, this year I was like, nah, if I kill, I, I openly said on the podcast, first time ever, if I kill, if I don't kill, it's okay. First every year that I've been like that. I'm not lowering my standards. Um, I'm just going with what I want. But in my mind, I'm like, I ain't got a buck that I want to kill. It's a white hunt. When, where I know there where there's a buck that's probably I would kill. Right. It's just putting the work in to get there. And I'm going to prepare myself next year to, uh, like I said, to get that fire back, to uh, to get back out there and, and chase those bucks, um, so that'd be the hunting goal. Um, and then uh, just continue to be better as a dad and husband every day. You know, yeah. that's just a, the there's few things on earth I think I was meant to be, but I, I guarantee I was put here to be a dad. Yeah, um, and I don't care if it's a dad to have my kids, a role model dad to other kids, um, a dad that other dads get advice from a dad, other dads look up to, I don't give it. I'm here to promote being a dad and help any way I can be straight up. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm damn good at that. Yeah. I'm damn good at that. that's, I don't brag about a lot, but I'm damn good at that. Cause that's I, awesome. a lot of my effort goes into that, man. Yeah.
1: That's so. awesome, man, dude. I appreciate that. And, and to, to wrap things up, one of my, 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 my brother-in-law, uh, my sister's husband, Kenny, he's, uh, he's always been there for me, man. He was, uh, very, well, my best man in my wedding and everything. And I remember when I was in high school and I would, you know, call him, I was so angry and, you know, something were to happen, whatever. And then I got to college and he, he kept saying the same thing to me. And it was, it was the simple thing. And he would say, dude, at the end of the day, before you go to bed and you brush your teeth and you look in that mirror and you say, are you okay with that reflection? And he goes, if if you are, keep doing what you're doing. And if you're not, then do something about it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please go check us out on our Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Go Wild and at antlerupoutdoors.com. If you enjoyed this episode, go leave a review and subscribe for next week's episode. Until then, antler up.